Hello everyone. Welcome to Discrounder. Each one of us across nations currently stands on the verge of the most turbulent and transformative period in all of human history as the computer code, connected computers, internet, advances in technology and the rapidly emerging technological convergence creates a technological tsunami it is fundamentally changing human lives and the very meaning to be a human so irrespective of a stone age industrial age digital age or the coming space age technology has always given us the necessary tools through which we can address the challenges related to being human human survival and sustainability now since technology is embedded in everything we as individuals and entities across nations its government industries organizations and academia in short if it was ngioa have done in the past do today and will do in the coming tomorrow it is fair to say that technology is built into every single interaction that we the humans have today and will have in the coming tomorrow since the technology gives us the foundation for human survival and sustainability it is fundamental that we understand which technologies are trendsetters and which technology trends are helping to change the human ecosystem as we know it in cyberspace geospace and space in short refer to as cgs so to discuss the technology trends further i'm delighted to welcome christian crown to this roundup christian is an expert in di- disruptive technologies a futurist and the author of the best selling book humanification go digital stay human he's based in netherlands welcome christian we are so very honored to have you on this roundup Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Wonderful Christian. So, a discussion about the technology trends is to predict the future of humanity. It is about understanding how the technology trends disruption and the associated transformation impacts the human condition, human survival and sustainability in the human ecosystem of cyberspace, geospace and space. So, based on the technology trends you see, what seems to be the future of humanity? I think a very bright one. Um I believe that technology is some kind of glue to uh, glue people on a massive scale together into one single organism. Um just like the cells in our body are working just like one single organism and working in harmony, harmony with each other. I believe that we humans uh will also go into a future where we will be able to uh, interact real time with each other uh, using advanced technology. and therefore uh, unite and organize like one single organism and um i think it's a wonderful future <laughs> yes I, i i hope so too and i think so too and uh, what you just said about being the glue technology provides uh, you know the structure of glue and the collective vision that we can develop collective efforts collective sharing ability collective uh, intelligence collective risk intelligence everything that we are able to gather now based on the technology trends is no doubt you know going to give us a really good future if we are able to manage the security risk that emerges with it effectively now you seem to be interested in understanding the evolution of technology transformation and with that the evolution of humanity and the biology behind our technology evolution as you study evolution in technology as well as humanity what parallels do you see between biological and technological developments revolution and evolution 
Well, when I studied um, the past of our uh, evolution of biological organisms, I discovered that there were seven big disruptive waves of change. Um, the first wave was about individual cells who start to develop some kind of um, interaction with each other, language, uh, communication skills. They start to share some kind of information and start to gather in groups and they start to form communities. And these communities start to grow over time and became bigger and bigger, just like companies and cities do today. Um, after a while, these communities became so big that they need some kind of infrastructure to manage all the, the, the building blocks and the energy and, and the waste products in that uh, organism, just like we do in our cities. Um, so organisms start to develop a digestive system and also a vascular system, an infrastructure that helps them to grow even faster. That was the, the second big wave. Then the third big wave was about organisms became so big that they need some kind of information structure or information network. And they start to come up with nervous networks. First, small networks that connected small parts of the organism, but later on a central nervous system that connected the entire uh, organism. So they were able to manage uh, where nutrition sh uh, should go to when building blocks or building materials are needed or where waste products and when waste products should be collected. After a while, these organisms start to become bigger and more advanced and more complex. And they were fully managing their own information um, supply or information flow. Um, so they need some kind of automation. So they came up with the next biological revolution. It was the reptile brain. That's the brain we still have in our head. And the brain is responsible to automate all the biological processes in our body. Uh, your heart is uh, already beating in the morning. You don't have to boot it or start it up. Your digestive system, all your organs are working. They are fully automated. So our focus or attention. Outwards. And um, that was the big next big step for evolution is that organisms start to develop a limbic brain or the social brain or the mammal brain that helps them to develop in groups uh, or flocks or, or hives and it enables them to develop on a cognitive level within a group. Um, emotional, uh, share emotions, uh, see emotions and learn from each other in an accelerated way. After a while, uh, organisms start to develop the neocortex brain. That's the brain uh, in our skull, which is, um, uh, uh, I think, one of the latest developments. And it helps us to uh, see patterns, recognize patterns, and react to those patterns. So learn and adapt in real time. And the last biological upgrade is, is more of a software upgrade. It's a prefrontal cortex. It's in the forefront of our head. And it helps us to which are not there yet. So we can imagine an alternate reality. For example, I was sleeping tonight and I get wet. So tomorrow I want to sleep dry. So I imagine a house or a roof above me and I can also execute it. And it's also called uh, the executive brain or the CEO brain. So what I discovered is these seven uh, waves also produce seven different species, uh, multicellular life, um, organisms with uh, digestive systems and vascular systems like plants and, and uh, coral reefs, for example. Then larger organisms like jellyfish, which are more complex and have a nerve system, uh, reptiles, dinosaurs, uh, mammals, apes, and finally uh, human beings. What I discovered, if we look today, um, we going through the same kind of waves, disruptive waves, um, but now it's not cells and biology, but humans and technology. And the first big wave was around 2000 BC. 
when um, people start to develop advanced language skills, we start to share concepts, ideas, and there the big agricultural revolution on a global scale was there. And that was the, big, the first big technological revolution. Um, that helped us to create small villages, communities that grow over time, bigger and bigger. And after a while, we discovered that we need some solid infrastructure to make these uh, communities grow even faster. So what we see around 1800 is that we start to develop very solid uh, infrastructure. Uh, we started to develop heavy industries, uh, the vascular system, and also oil pipelines, railroads, and energy grids. That's like the vascular system of a body. So you see the waves are coming back. Um, when we discovered electricity, uh, shortly after it, we discovered that we also can send information over electricity lines. So there was the inf information or the communication revolution where we start to develop um, uh, landlines, where we can send small information uh, like telegraph uh, messages, but later on telephone, radio, television, and today our broadband internet as we know it. Um, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, uh, last century, we discovered that we were fully busy with managing all these information flows via satellites and, and um, uh, other uh, um, devices. Uh, then we start to develop to automate it. So we start to develop chips, integrated circuits, uh, operating systems, software routines that help us to automate all the technological processes within the computer or within companies. And the last big wave that we have seen uh, or experienced is started around 2000 when we start to connect all kinds of software all over the world and where the internet, the internet came in, in uh, to life, as we can say it. And uh, we can uh, compare that with, with um, uh, the, the, the mammal brain or the, the, the limbic brain from, from uh, organisms. But now we have social media uh, like uh, Google, uh, YouTube, Twitter and stuff that helps us to connect on a global scale. So now it's not cells that are connected, but human beings are using uh, advanced social networks. And I believe that we are now in the forefront of the next big wave, the sixth wave. And that's about uh, some kind of virtual prefrontal cortex in the cloud. And now we are talking about machine learning, deep neural networks, or artificial intelligence, um, as, as, this, as it, they uh, call it. And I think humanity or organizations as a whole will now be able, just like the first organisms with a new cortex, to learn and adapt in real time. So uh, commercial or, or non-commercial organizations will soon have some equivalent to a neocortex brain that helps them to learn and adapt to market conditions in real time. And finally, I think the seventh wave uh, is all about uh, a virtual prefrontal cortex. So organizations, uh, I think, will be able to visualize new products um, uh, on a massive scale, uh, just like we can imagine things in our head. And things like augmented reality, mixed reality, uh, virtual reality will be, in the next decade, will be of such a high quality that it is indistinguish indistinguishable with, with our real world. And I also believe that we will have the ability to co-create or build, execute these visualizations and build them using advanced co-creation platforms where hundreds or millions of people are coordinated using advanced artificial intelligence uh, into harmonious uh, next generation uh, organization, network organizations. So these seven waves in biology are currently repeating. And if you zoom into each wave, then you see also the same pattern. So also on a macro 
skill, but also on a, you see the same patterns uh, and and this we can have um, a good sense of where technology will go next and how fast it will go there and how many time we will have to adapt and I believe that the next wave will be about eight or nine years um, so uh, I think something will uh, uh, is coming at us really fast and we should be prepared um, as, a, as a society but also governments and organizations should be really prepared for the next big wave Absolutely. because things are Yes, you are right that we have to be prepared. And uh, you gave a really good, you know, analysis about uh, the seven waves and how the technology has fundamentally changed uh, uh, the human behavior and human evolution and where we are going and how the advances has uh, happened, you know, how we have developed and how we have evolved over the years. Just like if we look at the industrial age, it liberated us, the humans, you know, from doing so much of the physical work because machines took over now with these artificial intelligence it is liberating our human mind from doing too much of the mental task so that that is also you know taking uh, helping humans uh, reach the next stage now human bodies and our thoughts and behavior are you know as you say are the fundamental pillars of humanity so how do you see them evolving in the coming years when we have the technology like uh brain net people are uh, there, there is visionaries and futurists are saying that uh, uh, internet is uh, likely to be replaced by brain net and we will uh, be able to transfer our emotions just like we are you know typing you know words and we will be able to communicate just through our mind we won't need this internet so how do you see that eighth wave i think the eighth wave if you know we are going to have that probably is going to revolve around the brain net where we will replace internet with the brain net what do you visualize of that what will happen as a you know collective human society yeah i think um the eighth wave is a wave one of the next seven waves so it's like an octave of music or or um, um light frequencies they also have octaves and uh, when the, the last one is there, the first one of the next wave uh, will start. But I believe that that eventually um, technology will help us to um, rediscover what it is to be a human being. And I think that we are much more capable of um, creating things and, and collaborating with other people than we think that is today possible. Uh, today we have smartphones uh, and, and very... Um, called technology, and I believe that technology will evolve to much more biological. It will become much more like like our own body, and will enable us to um, think about things and and transport these thoughts over the web and emotions also. Um, and it will feel very natural. I think today technology is very unnatural. Everyone is watching his at his smartphone. Um, technology is distracting us all day because uh, Facebook and Google are trying to sell us ads and stuff. Uh, but I think in the future, technology will adapt to our needs and behavior, and it will feel very, very natural. We will not be able, I think, to distinguish where our body stops and where technology starts, because technology, just like the cells and biology in our body, it's it's one package. It's, it's the same. It's not uh, different. And I believe the technology will also go there and that we will be able to... Um, communicate with other people on the other side of the world where, and it will look like they are in the same room as you are. And we will be able to talk to people in multiple languages um, without knowing all the languages because computers will be able to 
um, merge all these differences and make it equal. So we can have one big workforce, one big creative force, and we will. Yeah, I think we'll, the seventh wave will be all about creativity. So people will be empowered on such a high level that we can do almost everything that we imagine. Because if artificial intelligence, for example, enables us to um, to listen to us and really understand our language, uh, a four-year-old child can program an app or a new device simply by talking to the computer. And the computer will understand it and will 3D print his product or his, his imagination. So I think we will go to a new level of empowerment which will be uh, beyond what we can dream of today. It will be, uh, yeah, I think we'll, a whole new level of, of society. So you think the seventh wave is going to focus around or revolve around the creativity because of the shared economy and shared tools that we are developing, like blockchain and all that, that gives us the power to do everything in a collective manner. So the vision that you are uh, just describing, where we all will be able to create a shared force, a collective force, a collective uh, creative army or collective risk army or collective, you know, uh, peace army, whatever, you know, we want to have a collective form, we'll be able to do that. So that probably, you know, let's see how this uh, technology plot platforms that we are developing for the shared economy that, you know, where it takes us, but uh, no, irrespective of, you know, where it takes us, the future is happening around us. And the changes are so profound that from the perspective of human history, there has never been a time of such great promise or, you know, uh, a time where such great grave security risk emerges for the very survival and security of humanity. So what would it mean for human existence, our survival and sustainability? Do we know and understand the impact of technology that is coming our way? Or are we, uh, you know, just so focused on developing functionality and functional tools and all different tools and technology that we are not paying attention to what is going to be the dual impact of it? These technologies that we are developing, the new ways of doing things that we are developing, how it is going to impact us individually and collectively? Are we rising to the challenge? Yeah, I think with with um, with great power comes great responsibility. And and what I've seen in my study is that every new wave of technology is solving a problem, but it's creating a new problem on a higher level. So the last wave, uh, social media and, and sharing and stuff. Uh, enabled us to, to communicate in real time with other people all over, all over the world, share information, learn from other people. But it also gave us fake news and an overload of information and people who are addicted to the smartphones. But the next wave, artificial intelligence, will solve a lot of these problems. It will create a new problem and new risks. And I think those risks will be... So we will uh, we'll be able, with using artificial intelligence and, and, and uh, biotechnology, to modify our genes. Um, but what is the risk of that? What, what will be the impact for humanity? Um, uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I saw a small uh, commercial about killing drones. So there are swarms of drones with facial recognition, and those drones are autonomous. So... They were released above a city and preloaded with specific faces, and the drones killed all the people with dead faces. So with, with, with smart technology, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that we as a collective, as a humanity, should be aware of those risks and um, 
react on them very soon. Um, uh, last month, we have seen the, the, the issue with Facebook and, and uh, the risk with, with all the information that leaked to the, the wrong parties. Um, when something goes wrong today, it goes very wrong. So with hundreds of millions of accounts or personal data. Um, and in the future, uh, that will be bigger. So the, the risks will be bigger. So um, the same with autonomous cars. If one Uber car drives into a human being and it kills the, that human being, then it's all over the news in the world. Uh, but if a human being is driving on, on another beam, you don't see anything in the news. So everything that goes wrong will be um, magnified uh, all over the news. And I think in reaction to that, uh, the masses or the collective intelligence or the collective as, as humankind will react to it. Uh, because everything today, if something happens on one side of the world, the rest of the world will know it within minutes or within seconds. So everything will be magnified and also risks. And I think that we will react on a massive scale to uh, to solve these risks or to lower these risks to an acceptable level. But um, it becomes much harder because we cannot predict exactly where it's going. So we have to deal with the situation as it happens and then find out the best possible solutions to to lower that risk. But I think that it will be much more explosive, just like for companies, if they have some kind of wrong behavior, then on social media, it will explode and they will lose all customers. So um, risk management should be, I think, one of the top priorities of, of governments, of, um, of, of large corporations, but also of individuals. If you, you put your personal data on the web, then it will be there forever. So small mistakes. Uh, or small mistakes, but they, they can chase you the rest of your life. And that is for, for individuals, for, for companies, but also for, for governments. Yes. So I think risk management should be a uh, top priority for, for all of these uh, um, organizations and individuals. Absolutely. And this is the first step that we all have to take to create that education and awareness. And we thank you for, you know, helping to create that education and awareness. Now, as the ideas, imagination and inner drive help innovators to innovate better tools and technology. For example, you just talked about the drones that could, uh, that has facial recognition technology and that could, uh, you know, eliminate any human being on the earth uh, without giving that human being, you know, a fair trial, you know, or uh, any advance notice. So we will, innovators will need to come up with those kind of, you know, uh, technologies that would, you know, change the face uh, at a moment's notice so that the drones with the facial recognition cannot, you know, uh, eliminate them. So there are a lot of, you know, there is a lot of responsibility on innovators, how to mitigate the risk, you know, the with the, such drone technology or with any destructive technology or any dual use technology that is coming our way. So uh, these, you know, the, as the ideas and imaginations and, you know, drive healthy innovators to innovate better tools and technology, it is improving the way we live and it will improve the way we live with new products and services and new platforms and new systems that will become indispensable in the future. Based on what you have seen so far, what technological advances you see are trendsetters for the coming tomorrow? Um, I think the biggest one for the next decade will definitely be artificial intelligence or machine learning, deep learning. So machines or technology that will able to learn uh, just like humans do by seeing things, by recognizing patterns, um, recognize or understand the environment that it's, that it's in and react to that uh, according to that. So I think that will be uh, the biggest risk for 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 privacy, for, for, for um, yeah, we will see drones or autonomous cars, autonomous boats, autonomous airplanes, 
uh, a lot of things will become autonomous uh, with all the risks that are involved with that. So I think AI will be, I think, the most influential trend in the next decade. Um, and second, I think uh, blockchain technology, so uh, uh, distribution of um, storage, uh, processing power, uh, smart contracts and stuff. So all the middlemen that we see today that are in between transactions, I believe that they will be marginalized within the next five to 10 years uh, by the use of decentralized and distributed systems. And blockchain was the first of its kind, but I think that we will have finally a version two of a version four. It will be much different from blockchain, but um, the same principles. And I think because uh, the technology that will uh, empower the individual the most, like artificial in this, uh, intelligence, uh, blockchain is also a very empowering technology and therefore it's very disruptive because people can take their things in their own hands again, uh, do transactions with every people uh, every people in the world that they uh, are uh, so they can do trusted transactions. Um, all these things were not possible before and were managed for us by governments and large corporations. And when people will be able to do those things by themselves, I think that will have a huge, huge impact on the society as it is today, uh, but also on businesses, how they work today. So I think those two are, I think, the most influential technologies. And of course, they affect all the others because uh, uh, blockchain will also enable um, the Internet of Things, uh, big data and stuff. It will all be converging and, and merge into each other um, into one big system. Um, so... It's all connected to each other, but I think if I choose two, then it will be AI and, and, and blockchain or distributed systems. Absolutely. No, I agree with you on that because AI is the new electricity. It is going to fundamentally change everything in how we uh, do things, how everything is done, you know, across nations, irrespective of individual or, you know, uh, entities across NGIOA and blockchain. You are right about that. It's, uh, it is giving us the platform on which we can build the digital global age. So it is absolutely very uh, fundamental and uh, it is going to wipe out the middleman, like you said, and uh, it is going to help us create that shared economy that we all, all these young people across nations are so passionate about building. And uh, uh, once we build that kind of shared economy, what do you think is uh, the collective vision or will be the collective vision of human species? What what kind of destiny these uh, innovators and young people and these are trying to build with this shared economy using these technology tools like blockchain and AI? And where do you think we will go with that? And uh, if we, if our next evolutionary journey is, uh, going to be space age. I mean, based on what uh, indicators we see right now that uh, asteroid mining and uh, space, uh, uh, you know, colonies uh, and uh, moon colonies and space adventures and exploration is increasing so rapidly that where do you think uh, we will need to focus if we are looking at the technology? Because technology is going to help us, you know, take... Uh, for us from the digital global age and take us to the space age because uh, i mean nano satellites if you see right now that there is democratization of space and you know earlier only nations and their militaries and their governments had the power of you know launching satellites now pretty much any human being you know who any individual who wants to have the nano satellite they have the power to do that that's the power the democratization of space and the technology behind nano satellites has given us so 
if we are if space age is our next frontier and if we are going towards uh, the space age then from digital global age where we are right now what technology trends do you think that would be necessary to take us there um uh, in my book i talk about s curves so in biology seen from cells to organisms with trillions of cells it's an s curve so in the beginning developments are going very slowly a lot of r d is needed um then when multiple systems are in place the curve is going exponentially and then after a while it matures and then we have a solid new um, organism like the human being it's a finished product but also human beings in the beginning started in the beginning of a new S-curve. And there it's not about cells and biology, but humans and technology. And in the beginning, it took a long time. But after a while, when multiple systems were in place, like the uh, industrial revolution, telecom revolution and stuff, we are now in the exponential part. And I think eventually within uh, 15 or 20 years from now, it will mature. And then we will reach the beginning of the next S-curve. And if you look at Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, or, or Richard Branson, for example, they are, are already pioneers for the next big S-curve. So they are already exploring space uh, to start with. And finally, they will be able to explore uh, other planets. And I think uh, for now, we are in the beginning of the curve. So it's very hard to go out in space and to even go to Mars or to the moon. But I think uh, 15 or 20 years from now, we will have technology that we will not be able to dream of today. I think we will be able to print entire space stations in space um, and we'll go into space just like flying to another state in the US. Uh, it will be that easy. Um, and the, the big entrepreneurs, the billionaires of today are already building that reality, but it's still uh, evolving very slowly. But I think in the next couple of years when AI can be used to co-create with humans, uh, new types of engines will be... Um, um, invented and new kind of propulsions will be invented uh, because we can now mimic how uh, net, um, how physical processes are working on a, on, a, on a biological and also so I think we can we will have inventions uh, um, in a much higher gear uh, in the next five to ten years and that will bring us technology that will easily bring us to Mars or even further planets or even uh, remote galaxies but I think um, if, you, if you look at if the, the evolution, it started with subatomic particles. They united in atoms and they worked together. They organized uh, in, in, or in one bigger module. Then atoms start to work together and they form molecules. So they, they organized again and, and they worked together and they collaborated. Then these molecules start to form cells. These cells start to form human beings. And these human beings start to form um, a society on Earth, a humanity. And I think when that S-curve is finished, then we are one single harmonious uh, entity, then we will go to the next sphere in space and the next one and the next one and the next one, and then the same curve uh, occurs again. So we will establish an infrastructure between those planets, then we will establish an information infrastructure, then we will automate the communication between it, and then we will go to the next curve and we'll go to the next um, yeah, solid state, I think. So, and that will be perhaps um, 80 or 90 years from now, we will, uh, it will go exponentially fast. So each stage is going exponentially faster than, than, than the previous stage. So I think the uh, future has a lot, a lot, a lot to promise. <laughs> yes, it has a tremendous promise, no doubt about it. But see, so far, the evolution was all natural, if you're looking at the biological species. 
Now, today, we the humans are no longer confined to what nature must offer. The evolution, we are not just depending on how naturally it's going to progress. The advances in science and technology has given us the ability and capability to create living things entirely from scratch. So you can pick, you know, scientists with the CRISPR technology now, scientists can pick, uh, choose and pick, you know, any gene uh, any DNA piece fragments, you know, gene from either animals, plants, you know, or uh, human beings, and then, you know, combine all of that together. And even the computer scientist, you know, can, you know, write some code and fill in the gaps and create an entirely new organism, new species from scratch. That is the power, uh, you know, CRISPR technology is giving us. So, while what nature has given is still the foundation to our natural biological ecosystem, we the humans are now able to build on this foundation and create a man-made synthetic bioecosystem of our desire and definition. So I think the whole progression, how the evolution was happening, is going to be disrupted now. So based on these technology trends of CRISPR technology and uh, associated you know, technology and tools surrounding it, where do you think the human ecosystem is going and what does the human ecosystem will look like? Because we are now no longer talking about just natural evolution. Yeah, it's it happened before. If you look at the biological evolution, animals are most of the time always aligned with nature. They cannot go against nature. They cannot pollute the nature. If you look at humans, uh, after the last phase of biological evolution, we have human beings and we were able to demolish our earth where, where we live on. So we start to work against nature. And now we have all the consequences of that. We have a polluted atmosphere. We have a polluted earth. Our natural resources are depleted. Um, so we have a lot of issues uh, caused by our irresponsible behavior. And I think that will happen again. Um, we are today very in the very early stages of uh, creating um, synthetic beings or, or uh, we can modify our, our genomes and, and fix our genomes. And where that will go, I think in the beginning, we will use it to restore and regain our health, to live longer. I think it's 30 years from now, it will be perfectly normal to be 150 years old or 200 years old. I think it looks very strange if you think about it right now, but I think it's very, it's a very logical uh, result from what's happening today on with, with uh, biotechnology, uh, CRISPR, Cas9, and in combination with artificial intelligence. So we can re-simulate re, um, and, and redesign um, living beings from, from scratch. So that will have a huge impact, um, but I think I will, I'm, I'm wondering how society will react to it because we are also able to clone sheep or, or human beings, for example, but it, it is not happening on a large scale right now because we, we are not okay with it. So um, I think these kind of technologies will push us to more ethical questions and will force humanity to rethink about what it is to be a human being. Do we find it okay to create new uh, biological creatures or synthetic creatures or sensible creatures. Um, it, I think it's very unpredictable what will happen in that area because it's 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 not a technical technological limitation. It's more, I think, an ethical or a mindset shift that we have to make as a society um, to, to, uh, to create some kind of, of society where these new creatures can can be can be allowed or, or can, can have a life. And I think that's a very difficult area. I don't like to make predictions about it because it's, it's very I, unpredictable where, where, where you're going. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand that totally. But I mean, talking about creating a you know, different kind of human species is not a very comfortable topic. But CRISPR technology also does much more than that. I mean, that part we are talking, you know, creating a human species or a, is far away probably. But before that, you know, we have a capability now to create, you know, any pathogen, virus or bacterial pathogen that can wipe, you know, start a disease, the epidemic or pandemic uh, that would wipe out the humanity also. That is possible. That is something that we have to address because we, at this point, we don't have that effective sensor capability and we, medical systems and health systems are not very effective in quickly, you know, coming up with a solution like vaccine or how to treat it effectively very quickly. So uh, that those are also going to create very complex uh, challenges. And not only that, I mean, uh, sitting uh, in one nation uh, in the laboratory that somebody has created uh, in its own basement uh, with using this technology, somebody can wipe out the agriculture of, you know, uh, another nation, you know, entirely. So there are very complex risks emerging that are very near term. We are not looking at just the, you know, evolution of humans or creating another human species. These are also very different kind of uh, complex challenges that's coming our way because of this technology that we have developed. But the irrespective, I mean, uh, if we talk about this uh, CRISPR technology or any other technology, this technological disruption is, you know, ongoing and it's coming so fast. This technological tsunami is uh, coming at such a rapid pace. And this latest transformation is so unique because we are just using these products and services, but we are feeding information, you know, uh, collectively on social media, uh, on uh, these social platforms, on sharing platforms. And we are creating sharing economy. We are using AI and blockchain. So basically everything that, you know, nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia, how they were doing, we are trying to redefine and redesign all the systems. So how do you think the shaping of these new systems in the coming tomorrow is going to impact the current you know systems that we have and are the decision makers across ngia you know across nations are they ready for you know facing those kind of disruption now i believe the the the, the, the ruling governments uh, especially if the western governments are totally not prepared for what's coming next um i think they still think in a linear way and they they project that linear development into the future but basically our society is developing in an exponential rate and they are totally not ready uh, to solve these problems. And I think that uh, governments and also large corporations will dissolve. I think they will transform into more of a network society. Um, and the problems that we have to govern people or to, to uh, create security within a society were also uh, solved by, by these uh, network societies. Um, I mostly uh, use the example of a flock of birds. A flock of birds is moving like one single organism and researchers did a lot of research about how they behave. And they find out that these flock of birds are 99% more effective in avoiding danger or solving problems than the individual. So I'm fully um, trusting on, on that kind of uh, research that, that uh, a connected humanity will be able to solve very big problems. Um, yes, it's true. You can use uh, these CRISPR-Cas9 technology to create, for example, viruses that only kill people with a specific genome or a specific skin color or hair color, or you can even uh, colors of the eyes. So you can make very nasty technology with it. But I think technology is a neutral thing. You can, it, you can use it for bad 
And I think when the collective has access to the technology, then it will be used for good. Um, for example, the first GPS sensor was used in a, in a cruise missile to send in into a country to bomb some guys in a bunker. And today GPS is in your smartphone and it helps you to do all kinds of good things for humanity. So um, technological adaption uh, will be much faster in the future because if we can talk to technology, then we can adapt very easily to it. So we don't have to follow trainings or read manuals. So uh, a lot of people also Older people, younger people, or disabled people will be able to access to have access to advanced or exponential technology. And I think when technology is in the hands of, of the of the bigger community, of the of the greater community, then it will be used for good. So if people design uh, specific viruses, then the community will be able uh, to have a counter virus to to, to solve that problem. Um, um, yes, uh, I think these kind of things will will start to happen. Um, so on one side, the risks start to become bigger. On the other side, we will have more capacity to solve these problems and to, to manage these risks. But it, uh, in the beginning, I think it will be um, fluctuating uh, more. And after a while, it will, I think, just like uh, you see in, in more systems, in the beginning, you will have high biases. And later on, uh, it will be under control. And then we will be able to manage that situation. But just like the autonomous car, it will go wrong and it will go wrong badly. But after a while, we will be able to manage it um, and, and yeah, use it for good, I think. So sure. I'm pretty convinced that... Yes, absolutely. And I think there is a potential uh, to use these technologies for good if we are able to define that system that controls it. Because let's say, you know, with the decentralized network blockchain, if we use that effectively and then IoT sensors... Uh, Internet of Things, and if we tag each and every item, manufacturing item, produced item, you know everything. Then e even if you know somebody creates something new, the based on the raw products that they have used, we will be able to quickly grasp, you know, who is doing what and what kind of threats are emerging, and we'll be able to quickly come up with the response because the power of collective intelligence is going to be so amazing and so advantageous, you know, for the benefit of the humanity. So, yes, while these, you know, technologies are giving us huge, you know, potential for risk and uh, even uh, threaten the very survival and sustainability and security of the humanity, we will have potential, like you said, that, you know, we will be able to quickly come up with uh, solutions based on the uh, technology tools that uh, the power that it gives us, you know, like blockchain. And uh, I hope that, you know, we are able to tag these kind of important uh, uh, raw materials and products in a way that we will be able to quickly see, you know, what kind of uh, threats that are emerging. But uh, how we humans will think and how we will behave, uh, how we will experience things and how we will perform in the future individually and collectively and the implications to not only the current systems but the developing systems and way of doing things and industries it's all changing so rapidly and uh, the human capability human uh, adaptability and power of you know uh, managing change is not that strong, we humans are not quickly able to learn and unlearn and you know that's uh, it's very difficult for human to go through change so rapidly and uh, over the years i mean all the different waves that we have seen and all the different technology uh, transformation or industrial ages that we have seen they they gave us you know a lot of time to prepare for you know every change that was coming but these changes that are coming our way 
are so rapid that for the human capacity to adapt to it to change is going to take you know a huge effort so based on the technology trends you see what do you think is necessary for us the humans to get ready to you know be prepared to face the uh, technological advances that's coming our way to learn the new system to learn the new way of doing things and maybe in tomorrow to be augment, augmented into a superhuman being i believe that that individual humans are pretty good in adapting to new situations uh, if you put someone in a different situation it will be adapted very easily the problem occurs when organizations are going to rapid change and organizations especially the ones we have today are very solid they are very rigid and for them it's very hard to change shape without break uh, specific points uh, if you look at individual consumers or citizens they have the, the newest smartphones every year they have the newest software updated every few weeks uh, using the, the app store and stuff did you look at large corporations uh, it will take five years to have a new windows version for example so uh, individuals are pretty capable of adapting to this environment, but I think uh, organisms can't. And if you look into the biological evolution, you have seen that uh, large groups of organisms are uh, they didn't survive a specific uh, period. And I think the same will happen today. We have dinosaur companies and we have uh, large uh, mammal, uh, mammoth-like companies like the Facebooks. I think they are too big to go through this change. So I think companies will need to dissolve in smaller units, more agile, uh, just like we see in the types of animals today. Uh, we don't have very, very big animals like dinosaurs anymore because they're not able to, to uh, sustain uh, themselves. And I think the same will happen with large oil uh, organizations or oil corporations or energy corporations, large governments and stuff. I think this change will break them up into smaller pieces, smaller parts, and some will dissolve and some will, will stay alive and they will uh, transform into new different shapes that can sustain in a new time. So I, I believe that change is not a problem for the individual, but more for uh, organizations and especially organizations that were from previous waves, just like the first wave is like the coral reefs, uh, multicellular life, uh, or banks and, and large governments, they behave in the same way as coral reefs. They are very solid, very steady. And we needed that to build upon because you cannot build a society on a government that is very agile. They need to be solid. But today we have new technologies like blockchain and AI that will help us to, to govern our society in a much more efficient way. So I believe, I really believe that these big, slow organizations will dissolve. They need to, need to dissolve into network organizations empowered by technology. And what you also have seen is that um, these seven waves that I describe in my book also are parallel with the Maslow pyramid. Maslow has the pyramid of human needs. And his uh, previous pyramid, the first pyramid, has seven different layers. The bottom layer is about survival. It's about basic human needs. Um, and the top layer is about uh, self-fulfillment or chasing our purpose. And what you see happen today and what also happened in biology is that more and more of these layers are automated, not by biology, but now by technology. So humans and humanity as a whole is pushed uh, or advanced up in the Maslow pyramid and will be pushed towards our purpose. And I think if we were more empowered by technology, then we can follow our purpose um, and, and see what we really like to do and use that to, 
to be exponentially creative or exponentially productive or effective. And technology will augment us, augment us um, to do so. So basically, I think that we will go to a society where most of the people um, uh, will do the things that they really like. And uh, in our body, it's ex exactly the same. Each cell is doing its purpose. Your heart cell is not waking up in the morning saying, ah, I don't want to work today. No, it's it's doing what it's like to do. It likes to pump blood. And I think that we will go to tribes, communities of people that are following the purpose and they want to make our society a better place, a world a better place. They use technology and a community to do so. So I think that's a very bright future. Uh, yes, we will have some hiccups on the way <laughs> to that future, but uh, they will be necessary to get rid of our past, our, the slow system that we still have in our society, the legacy, as you will. Um, and it's not a biological legacy now, but it's a technological legacy, and we have to get rid of it to enter the new world. And I also believe that, that um, underdeveloped countries uh, will have, um, uh, have an easier, easier job because they don't have to go to all the stages. They go from no internet to uh, smartphones with 4G internet. Uh, they go from no electricity to solar panels with uh, Tesla batteries, for example. So they can skip the entire legacy that we have. And therefore, I think that, that countries, especially like in China, as we see today in India, they are now behind. They already move faster than, than we, the Western world, can keep up with. So I think that these these the underdeveloped regions in the world uh, in a couple of years from now will be much more developed uh, as the Western world if we don't change fast enough. Yes, I think that is a very likely scenario. And I mean, there are so many technology trends that we have to talk about, like we have quantum computing, what it will do and uh, where, where the virtual reality, augmented reality will take us. And, you know, so many other different uh, uh, technology trends that are emerging, including the warfare that's happening, not only in cyberspace, so not only cyber warfare, but electronic warfare that's happening and space warfare that's emerging. So that, to a lot of things that, that needs to be discussed. But one thing that uh, is very, you know, creating a lot of fear and panic in uh, human beings across nations is the worry about, you know, what will happen when the moment when technology becomes smarter than humans and when will uh, we achieve singularity. So that is something that is causing a lot of fear. Is there, should they be fearful about uh, when technology becomes smarter than humans or should they take it that, yes, you know, we will have an uh, excellent tool that will enable us to, you know, reach quick decisions and, you know, do things uh, uh, in a really smart way uh, and efficient way. So what, what what is your take on that? Should human beings be fearful about this? Um we are always feel for, fearful for new technologies that challenge our existence. And I think artificial intelligence and robots really are challenging our existence. But I don't think that they will be smarter um, or, yeah, they will be perhaps more intelligent, but not more consciousness. And I think consciousness and intelligence are two different separate things. And you don't have to distinguish them because they're both different things. I think that we as a collective connected by technology will be, uh, start to behave like like a hive mind, which is uh, exponentially more intelligent than the individual, just, just like the flock of birds or swarms of bees and, and etc. And I think that is a good thing um, because if you look at our body, uh, our brains, uh, the AI in the cloud, as we look at our brains, 
um, they are managing trillions of cells and they move uh, in a coherent and harmonious way. And I think AI will basically do the same. AI in the cloud using quantum computers will be able to manage 100 or millions or hundreds of millions of people to solve our world's or our society's biggest challenges and biggest problems. So I think, uh, just as I said before, if technology is in the hands of the masses, of, of, the, of the entire community, then it will be used for good. And, and sure, there will be, if AI is in the hands of wrong people or a dictator, or I, I don't want to imagine what can happen, just like the killing drones or creating a virus that kills specific types of, 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 of genome or, or uh, cultures, for example. But I think, I, I believe in the, in the good of the masses. So if technology will be available to more and more people, accessible for more and more people, also in underdeveloped countries, uh, imagine when eight or nine billion people have access to these kind of technologies and, and they want to make the world a better place. Yes, there will be bad guys. And they, it will be very hard to be a bad guy in the future, I think, because we will go to into an area where things will be very transparent using the Internet of Things, using blockchain. So it will be very hard to cheat or to operate in the shadows because the shadows will be less and less um, there. So I think we are going into a bright future, literally. And, and um, yeah, I'm not so afraid. Um, we will have our hiccups and we will have uh, some big, big risks and we will mess up. Um, I, but in the, at the end, we will, um, we, will, uh, we will make it fine, I think. Yes, I think there is a great power in collective intelligence. And when we build these new systems uh, with these young people all across nations build these new systems that, that are transparent, that people can trust and that, where there is accountability, that there is a lot that can be achieved with the collective efforts based on the sharing economy. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially those young minds across nations, who are very passionate about uh, uh, making a difference, solving the problems, you know, solving the problems not only for their communities, but for the nations and for the humanity. What would you like to tell them? Uh, I believe that is a very, very beautiful time to live in because uh, technology is now enabling individual people to have massive impact. Uh, I believe five from 10 years from now, uh, each individual will have the power to, to reach millions or perhaps billions of people. And if you have a good idea or if you want a better place or you want to solve some big problems that we are having today, um, now it's the time to, ch to make that change because there is so powerful technology at our fingertips. Um, in five years from now, you can talk to a computer and it will obey and it will help you to, to solve your problems uh, using all the processing power and, and information on the web to, to solve your problems and to solve problems that we have as a society. So I think it's a time where we can restart to dream again and to imagine things uh, just we were, when we were a child. Um, uh, on our education, we learned that we don't have to dream or don't have, have fantasies. No, we have to uh, do boring jobs. But I think it's time now to to reopen that mind and, and be, be creative and to dream again, to have visions again, because the tools are available and especially in the next decade, that will help us to become uh, yeah, our fullest potential uh, as individuals, but also as a humanity. So uh, yeah, I think it's a very nice time to live in. And um, yeah, for, for, for younger people today, we are entering the, the business. Uh, it's, it's more easy than ever to start your own business. 
um, in 2000, it will cost you $5,000 to start an IT business. Today, you have, if you have a laptop or a smartphone, you can access the cloud and you can have access to all the information, all the processing power available in the world. So uh, people are powered exponentially. And that, that's, I think, a gift that we have today, uh, which previously uh, generations uh, uh, cannot even dream that the power that we have today. So it's, it's I think it's a wonderful time and um, make use of it, I think. <laughs> that's the best advice. Yes, you are absolutely right. Technology has given each and every individual the power to dream. They have now the capability to, you know, create this innovation and intelligence, you know, and imagination. Imagination is the key because without imagination, you cannot have that intelligence and creativity to create new things. And now, based on this technology, on the back of technology, every individual across nation, they have, they have the power to dream big and to create new things and to uh, work on things that excites them and, you know, where they are, what they are passionate about, not just to make money, but to make a difference. So this, you are right, this is a very good time for these young people to be living in. And thank, uh, they can make a big difference. They can solve a lot of problems and they can uh, do good for the humanity for the coming tomorrow. So thank you so much, Christian, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on technology trends and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the unique analysis on the seven stages of disruption that will help them understand where humanity is going tomorrow, what is going to be ever coming tomorrow. So even if a single individual or entity can understand the technology trends and disruption based on the understanding they received from the discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So since what we do with technology matters for the human survival, security and sustainability, discussing technology trends and understanding its impact is a fundamental need. Risk groups, cybersecurity, geosecurity and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate and manage the security risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government industries, organizations and academia in cyberspace geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Those securities related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict. Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup video webcast or hear the risk roundup audio podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.